We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The second half of the Charger season is in full swing with plenty of high-profile matchups against teams in the division like the Raiders and the Broncos and the Chiefs, plus a lot of teams that are going to be coming to L.A., with a vengeance like the Patriots and the Steelers. Even if you're an away fan, you still want to see Justin Herbert and Mike Williams and all the guys come to your city. Maybe if you live in Philadelphia or if you live in Ohio or even if you're deep in enemy territory, perhaps at mile high. The Chargers will be coming to all of those places and more in the second half of the season and this could end up being a historic Super Bowl run for this team. So, you don't want to miss a single second of it if you get a chance to go to one of these games. That's where TickPick comes in. They want to send you to all of these games. And the best part about TickPick is that they're very simple to use and they don't want to give you those high-end fees that other ticketing sites will give you. Plus, some fees that come out of nowhere, frankly. So, on top of that, they also want to give you $10 off your first ticketing purchase how are you going to do that? Well, you're going to go to TickPick.com slash Charged. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K dot com slash Charged to get $10 off of your first ticketing purchase. As fun as highlights are to watch on Twitter, there's nothing that beats the real experience. You want to say that you were there in person when Justin Herbert threw that ball to Mike Williams that ended the game on a game-winning touchdown, or Derwin James getting a game-ending pick six. You want to be there for all of it because this team, this season, is special. So again, go to TickPick.com slash Charged, T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K dot com slash Charged for $10 off of your first ticketing purchase, Bolt Up. Hello, everyone. Good evening. That was extremely stressful, but we are happy to be here uh, immediately after the game, after the Chargers were able to uh, hang on against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Going to dive into everything. Uh, obviously, a lot to talk about. Uh, joining me, as always, are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Alex, it's uh, a victory pink, man. So how are you doing today? And uh, I think it's like, what, 
midnight there? No, it's like 1 a.m., right? Yeah, it's 1 a.m. because of the time difference. So uh, thankful I'm here, not after a loss. Thankful for Mike Williams. Thankful for the sacks because uh, that would have been a terrible show to be <laughs> on after what would have been a collapse, but it wasn't a collapse. They they snatched a victory from the jaws of defeat. So uh, <laughs> yeah. very good game. Uh, maybe the best like NFL entertainment game since Chiefs-Rams. Like I mean, it's been a while since one of those. That was really fun. Yeah, I mean, it was a wild day in the NFL for close games. You know, the uh, Packers and Vikings was a really good one today as well. Um, I, I think if the Chargers had managed to lose that one, I think we would have just for all of our sanity has been like, fuck it, like, let's delay this until tomorrow yep. and sleep mm-hmm. it off for a little bit. Um, so thank, appreciate Alex staying up super late to uh, join us. Tyler, how are you doing, man? You know, I said before the game that, you know, I don't care what the score is as long <laughs> as the Chargers win. And yeah, they did win, but dang, never mind. I did care what the score meant or what the score was. Uh, my family has a history of high blood pressure. Uh, I think I've aged myself about 25 years after that game, but thankfully they did win. So I'm here with a smile and I'm happy. Yeah, absolutely. My my family, um, you know, they've seen me suffer throughout the years. You know, they've always supported my love for the Chargers. Um, and my dad, after every like close game, will always text me, be like, how's your heart rate doing right now? How's your blood pressure? <laughs> I'm like, it was doing really good when it was 24 to 10. You know, <laughs> yeah, not exactly. so good when it was 27 to 27. So it was just yeah. a, a wild game. Um, mm-hmm. and, and of course, you know, a crazy day in the NFL. The AFC continues to make zero sense, which we'll talk about a little bit. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but let's dive right into this one. Alex, what's your uh, biggest takeaway from this performance from the Chargers tonight? Um, Justin Herbert is our savior and a lot of other things are questionable (laughs) right now, but when you have that kind of QB, he can save you from a lot of the other stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, that has to be the takeaway today. Just the way he was playing in the first half. Um, you know, he did get that batted interception, which, you know, ended that drive and sort of got the Steelers really back into that game. Um, but you know, that sort of wasn't really his fault per se. Uh, and I would just, you know, he came out after all the kind of baggage they'd been taking, and he's like, I'm just going to, you know, lead the drive for a touchdown. Mike Williams, all right, here you go. Right? Like, I, it yeah. was just yeah. professionalism at its finest at every turn uh, for Justin Herbert. So I thought, uh, yeah, I just thought it was a really great game from him. Obviously, Austin Eckler just went thermonuclear in this one. <laughs> right. After all the yeah, talk about RB2, he was like, yeah, no, that shit actually doesn't matter because I'm still Austin Eckler. Um, <laughs> and so I thought that was really fun. Um, Joey Bosa, obviously, you know, I was sort of like, oh, pass rush isn't doing too great this game. And then mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter, it all came together, particularly on that final drive. So I thought that was really fun. Um, but yeah, it was the chargers making the key plays in the key moments that I think bailed them out of this one out of, you know, some of the mm-hmm. stuff we'll talk about later. Um, but yeah, no, uh, it, it was very much a, you know, their high skill players saved them from what could have been a, you know, pretty epic collapse on the scale of chargers collapses. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, uh, I assumed that Justin Herbert would bounce back, you know, from the previous poor showings, but Man, I wasn't expecting 382 and 90 yards rushing. Like, this man Mm -hmm. came out on a mission. You know, uh, Arjun tweeted out right before the game kicked off, you know, his primetime stats. And primetime Justin Herbert, man, it's a thing. Like, he played awesome today. Bailed the Chargers out, like Alex was saying, time after time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I love the way that he just came out and, and was so decisive, you know, in this one. 
And, you know, there were a couple of times where he's working the safeties with his eyes and just really played in such a rhythm from the start. And we've seen him kind of slow, you know, start slow a couple of times. And, and tonight it was yeah. just right out of the gate. You know, he was mm-hmm. just balling. He was on a mission. And, you know, I, I love to see him being decisive with his legs like that. And he just he was throwing lasers out there, you know, yeah. all over the place. So I thought Justin Herbert was fantastic today for sure. Yeah, Sheila Capadia with the uh, Athletic tweeted out that Justin Herbert passed for 382 yards and ran for 90 yards, and that no quarterback in NFL history has ever hit both those totals in a single game. That's how good he was. When, you, when you're doing anything that's something good in NFL history, not bad. And it just shows how on fire this offense is when Justin Herbert's on fire. Honestly, most of these plays were, you know, like we're called the past four weeks, right down to the plays that we don't like. Wide receiver screens, halfback toss. It's all there, but Herbert was dealing he generally made excellent decisions to run the ball. You know, it just, he looked so good today. And yeah, the D Steelers defense was undermanned, but he put up a lot of points and he looked very, very good. And you should be looking that good versus a shorthanded or bad defense. So hopefully they can carry this momentum, but he looked excellent tonight. And for him to go out with 472 yards, really no turnovers, if we're being honest, um, basically a perfect game from him. Couldn't ask for more. Primetime Herbert's a real thing. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I see Arjun in the comments uh, giving Joe Lombardi some uh, some compliments like that's uh, that's pretty good. I, uh, <laughs> you know, I I was looking at his, you know, the A dot, as Arjun points out, it's five point three average depth of target today. But I feel like it was a better, a much better balance today between, you know, taking shots in the intermediate and deep range and, mm-hmm. you know, working the, the short game that they like to do. And, you know, it, it's always important to remember that, you know, Justin Herbert has a lot of freedom you know with run calls and rpos and things like that so mm-hmm. you know, I, I just think it's you know herbert's a dot is unfortunately going to be pretty low as long as there's that balance i think that's mm-hmm. okay with me and I, I thought like the first half specifically i loved the way that lombardi was calling play action shots in the intermediate mm-hmm. deep range and i thought that was a real point of emphasis and it should have been from after the bye week because that's what they said they were going to do and they played well you know really until the fourth quarter <laughs> There weren't many other drops. There was the one bad drop by uh, Donald Parham early in the first quarter. And then it wasn't until Jared Cook dropped those two passes late in the fourth quarter that the drop showed back <laughs> up again. And we yeah. will be talking about Mr. Jared Cook later on. But oh um, yes, you know, I thought that overall the offense was playing at a really high level. Of course, you have to mention all the injuries and things like that on the Steelers mm-hmm. side. But, you know, you, you have to take care of what you can. And I felt like the Chargers offense did that for the most part. Yeah, yeah, they absolutely go for it, Alex. Uh, I was just gonna say, <laughs> Jared Cook. God, I cannot look at that dude in the face. <laughs> I see him on you know film anymore because that gets my blood boiling. But uh, no, I mean, I think when you talk about their offense, like they were just it, it felt clean today. Like it, this from start to finish, this was the first game where it really felt like okay, this is a you know complete game from them. Um, cause they would always have some aspect where it's like, oh, well, they can't get the run game going or, oh, there's these drops. Right. Um, so I felt that that was sort of a theme of the last month, but this game, they kind of fixed that. Um, yeah. and it was like, all right, well, they pretty much have everyone working, whether it's Keenan Allen, whether it's Josh Palmer, uh, who got more involved. Uh, you have Mike Williams, obviously mm-hmm. on the busted coverage, Eckler, very involved. Um, and then Donald Parham, obviously. So. I thought it was just very versatile kind of from start to finish. And yeah, as far as Lombardi, like it always felt like he had the right call. 
And more importantly, that Herbert was always putting it in the right place uh, and pretty much Mm -hmm. in places and spots where no one else could get it but the receiver he was targeting, like that beautiful pass to uh, Keenan Allen early on in the game. So Mm -hmm. that was just like the theme, you know, just mistake-free football. Um, And, you know, if you have Justin Herbert, like your, I guess, margin of error if you're Joe Lombardi is a lot higher. Um, But -hmm. you also needed this version of Justin Herbert as opposed to the one that we saw um, in the New England game, in the Baltimore game um, Mm -hmm. last week, uh, obviously. So, uh, no, I thought just altogether really great effort. And I thought the big thing that you saw from Herbert in this game that we hadn't been seeing in the previous few weeks was that he was just, you know, doing really well past the first read. Um, the progressions had kind mm-hmm. of been a struggle for him recently, and I thought mm-hmm. he got back on target uh, this game, just consistently hitting second, third reads uh, if he needed to, and, you know, just balled out overall. Yeah, so uh, Arjun's texting us right now. Um, I-, I was curious to see which one of the corners the Steelers mm-hmm. would, or the Chargers would go after, which one of the Steelers' corners the Chargers would go after, excuse me. Uh, and it turned out to be Cam Sutton. Uh, they went after him. <laughs> Targeted him seven times, completed six passes for 120 yards. Uh, tough day at the office. And I thought it was always funny that he was talking so much shit after every single <laughs> yeah. play. And it's like, dude, you're getting like you're getting worked right now by Keenan Allen. So uh, I thought yeah. that was interesting. Yeah, no, Arjun and Alex and I talked about it on Saturday. Like, I wish the Chargers would target specific players more. I'll be honest, I don't know really who Cam Sutton is. Maybe he's a good prospect. I have no idea. But they went after him, seven targets, 121 yards. And they went after Devin Bush, who gave up six catches on six targets for 67 yards. So they deliberately went after, I assume, what they thought was a weakness of the defense. And those two guys gave up 188 yards and 12 (laughs) catches. And so them doing that from now on is great. Like, above all else, even with me thinking that the play calls were there and that they've always been pretty good, they don't really feel like, you know, other than the week one game against Benjamin St. Deuce or whatever his name is, they really haven't deliberately targeted anyone. This one, it felt like it. And you can see the yeah. results. It obviously paid off. Yeah, Austin, this is really like what I envisioned for Austin Eckler. Obviously, not the four touchdowns, right? But like his, <laughs> his usage yeah. as a receiver, right? You know, mm-hmm. you know, it's a lot of Texas routes. It's a lot of you know uh, working from the backfield and then working out to the outside. Like he was all over the place as a pass catcher today. And mm-hmm. you know, this is like th- this is the peak of Austin Eckler and one you know super balanced. Obviously, like I said, four touchdowns probably not happen happening very often. <laughs> But, you know, he's got yeah. right around 50 yards rushing, 50 yards receiving, just a really, like, great showing and very consistent. And I love the way that they used him, like you mentioned, you know, really going after Devin Bush today. Um, because I feel like Joe Schobert, their other inside linebacker, is a really, really good pass coverage linebacker. So um, going mm-hmm. after Devin Bush the way they did and going after Cam Sutton, um, they definitely had a plan to attack those two guys specifically. Yeah, I think also we were sort of talking about like Justin Herbert would get locked in on Keenan Allen or he would get locked in on particular receivers at points in time versus like you guys mentioned in this game, it felt Mm -hmm. like he was attacking Devin Bush or it felt like he was attacking whoever, you know, was on the field that, you know, was going to give up that big completion or let someone get open. Um, So I think that that's a little bit more development from Herbert, uh, obviously, and also just all around good offensive scheming. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just like the Eagles game we talked about, I think there were nine receivers that caught a pass that game. I think there were eight receivers that were either caught a pass or were targeted this game. I can't count while I'm talking. Justin Jackson would have had the catch if not for dropping the ball. I'm sure we'll get into that because 
my gosh, they can't get away from these drops. It's three or four every single game, but they spread it around. I know Keenan had nine catches and um, what is it, 13 targets, but still they were able to spread it around. Excellent job. I was hoping in the breakdown that I did that they would try more either running back screens, tight end screens, or get Eckler on a swing route or something because if anyone's complaining about the lack of deep passes, that percentage hasn't dropped all that much. The passes behind the line of scrimmage have dropped a lot from last year. And I really thought like, well, they're working. Eckler out of the backfield works. He's Slater in front of him. Who's stopping him? And they tried to do a little bit more this game. I don't know how many swing routes or screens there were, but it felt like there were more and certainly more than one per game. So I'm really glad they did that. I just, it was a very good offensive plan. I can't wait to dive into it because I've been diving into shit the last four weeks outside of the Eagles game. And I can't wait to dive into another good offensive game plan in my opinion yeah so really quickly if, if you guys missed it tyler posted a 75 minute <laughs> breakdown of the chargers and offense. nobody watched it <laughs> dude, dude directed a whole fucking scorsese movie and like no one watched it today but maybe you could do a breakdown next week because the algorithm will be fixed so you know yeah yeah, algorithm true. is always better after win. So I, I yeah. just have to say, Tyler, like when you sent us a message that you were going to do a 70 minute breakdown, I thought you were going to be exaggerating. <laughs> it's going to be 75 minutes. Like fantastic work, man. Really appreciate that. Yeah, I, yeah, went no, our, I, I went to our YouTube studio and I was like, oh, he doesn't really mean 75 minutes, does he? Listen, man, I'm opting out of a PhD. I'm not going to go for my PhD. So I had to give a dissertation somewhere. So <laughs> went for the full 75 minutes and uh, you guys can watch it. it. Almost There's almost as many minutes as views right now because no one wanted to watch the offense before we saw this uh, big showing. But now that they actually you know, have a good offense or at least a good offensive showing, go watch it. I promise all the stuff that you saw today was in that breakdown. It's very, very long. I apologize for that. Hey, I had to, I had to talk about it. Uh, Amen, brother said that he did watch it. So, uh, thank you. So You're half the views. To Lombardi. <laughs> <laughs> <Good stuff. laughs> I, in all seriousness, like I, the offensive game plan today was not anything like revolutionary. It was not, you know, an no. overhaul of the stuff. It was just little bits and uh, little bits of tweaking here and there. Mm -hmm. um, I thought they did a little bit more emphasis on traditional play action dropbacks, but. Other than that, it yeah. was a lot of the same stuff that we had been seeing. So uh, I thought they executed very well for the most part. Um, offensive line, I thought, played pretty well outside of like one drive. Um, <laughs> Arjun much. saying that the initial numbers for the offensive line, Storm Norton gave up four pressures, Slater and Lindsley two, Matt Filer and, and uh, Schofield each gave up one. So that that's a decent game, right? Like, of course, you know, that can change mm -hmm. um, on – uh, pro football focus is rewatch and i'll certainly give my charting uh once i watch right. the game tomorrow so um i thought the offensive line played well i thought that they could have tried to bit you know establish the run a little bit more you know i felt like they kind of did themselves a disservice in the second half when they needed to run the ball and they just mm -hmm. weren't really like in a rhythm there so i, I felt like eckler ran really hard <laughs> poor larry Roundtree had that one really big run that was called back by a holding on donald yeah. <laughs> um, yeah but i thought they ran the ball really well and they could have done that you know a little bit more often if they wanted to in the second half but you know i'm not going to complain about 41 points from the offense yeah I, I didn't think it was the best day from storm norton um no. you know i guess three penalties kind of bounces I out I, I i don't i want to say it was two Definitely uh, one on special teams and one on offense yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, those two are definitely. And then he had the, the tackle too. Yeah. Oh, well, the near. Yeah. Did, okay. Yeah, that didn't get called. 
Um, so, oh, they yeah. they took that one back. The helmet to helmet one, I mean. Yeah. yeah, I thought they were calling it, but then the broadcast they, they said no. They it. almost yeah. like yeah. They they started at the eleven yard line in general. Yeah. Um, I think on that drive, so they didn't call that, but they probably should have. Uh, <laughs> in addition to a Kaiser one that didn't get called, and a lot of stuff that didn't get called in this game, kind of weird. Um, but yeah, no, I, I thought overall good day from the offensive line. Um, other than a few yeah, penalties here and there, can't complain, but yeah, just overall like night and day from last year's offensive line, like the storyline's been all year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Arjun points out that Alex Highsmith spin move. Um, that was nasty. That was really <laughs> like high level, you know, stuff right there. So big props there. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, mentioned that you know my key matchup of the week was matt filer and uh mm-hmm. cam hayward and i thought matt filer had held his own and if mm-hmm. we're being completely honest cam hayward should have been ejected because that was some bullshit absolutely and he you know is throwing punches at justin herbert and throwing you know shoving josh palmer such and, and then of course he makes you know two huge plays down the end yeah it's like okay mm-hmm. well this guy shouldn't even be in the game so yeah i was really frustrated with the with the officiating tonight just because of that and then you know, Big Ben is flailing all over the place about <laughs> some hit, little tiny hit by Joey Bosa. And of course, that yeah, it's called. So um, mm-hmm. I, I generally, like I said, I've said before, I, I generally hate talking about officiating. But the way that they called this game tonight was really, really frustrating to watch. Yeah, no, absolutely brutal. I, I understand, you know, some of the, you know, lay on the quarterback sort of thing, maybe even kind of push him to stand up sort of thing. But to ro- flip him over, draw back your arms, and then shove him down, yeah, I'm shocked he wasn't ejected. And then for him to now then go back in the game and almost win the game for the Steelers, it was not going to be pretty on the show if that happened. Thankfully, the Chargers won, but I'm, I'm shocked that there wasn't any kind of ejection for that because that's a quarterback. Maybe doing that to yeah. know, Larry Roundtree, okay. <laughs> but like if that had actually it, – it wasn't going to. But if it had knocked Herbert out of the game or injured him in some way – like that could have been pretty catastrophic and they're just like yeah it's fine so i'm sure he'll get a tiny fine for it yeah. but that that was some bullshit you need to, i'm i'm shocked it wasn't a brawl yeah maybe if you do that to one of those positions we don't care about then you could get away with it but when you do it to the quarterback yeah then that's unacceptable <laughs> oh but like honestly hey, if the rules were reversed if Raiden fahoko did that to big ben like fahoko oh, yeah. like no doubt oh, no, 100 agree so that mm-hmm. was you know, extremely frustrating, but uh, I thought there were a couple of questionable holding calls as well. The one on Corey Lindsay um, that, you know, obviously delayed oh, the Chargers um, oh, driving for Sokol. Like, he literally, <laughs> his hands were right on the chest plate, man. Like, yep. I don't mm-hmm. understand what we're seeing there. There was one on Parham that I think called back a Herbert run, too, that was a little bit questionable uh, from what I remember. But, uh, yeah, no, the the... I just felt like they called too much this game or it was like anything that mildly looked like holding or pass interference they were calling tonight. Um, and that just depends on the officiating crew you get at the end of the day and what their attitudes are towards certain things. But yeah, definitely a little bit overwhelming this game. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you guys uh, who are in here doing the super chat. Yes, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. Really appreciate that. I want to give a shout out to to Arjun, Alex, and Tyler. Of course, I wasn't able to make the Q&A on Saturday. Um, you guys ended up raising a lot of money for Corey, who's uh, going through a fight for cancer or against cancer. Um, mm-hmm. So if you guys missed that Q&A, 
please go check it out. Um, the GoFundMe is still up on our profile. I'll be sure to retweet it after this as well. Um, we are a little bit short of, of helping him reach his goal. So um, if you did not get the chance to donate, please go and do that. That'd be really appreciated. So uh, I also want to talk about the defense because we all <laughs> we all saw what happened <laughs> with this defensive line. And it's just it's like so funny to me. You know, I, I'm going to look this up really quickly. Um, you know, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers rushed the ball for 18 times. And the Chargers held them to 3.1 yards per carry. Mm-hmm. And that's without Linval Joseph. And that's mm-hmm. without Jerry Tillery. I think that's a little bit more about Jerry Tillery. And this <laughs> it is. In yeah, all it honesty, might be. Might be. It might be. But Braden Fajoko, Forrest Merrill, and Joe Gaziano mm-hmm. played 100%. fantastic today. You know, Joe Gaziano had a couple really good pass rushes. He had a, that one batted pass. He had a good tackle for loss. Fajoko had a good tackle for loss. Forrest Merrill yep. had a couple good rushes and a tackle for loss. So that trio of, of uh, undrafted free agent defensive tackles were really, really good today. Yeah, Alex, have at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I other than the Jerry Tillery thing, I also thought it was just really weird that like we were sort of watching the preseason and we were just like, yeah, Fajoko, yes, Gaziano, yes, the team, like yeah. you know, that's what we thought yeah. watching it intuitively. And then they were like, no, nah, actually, no, it's Eric Banks, and <laughs> like Tyler said in his tweet, like, um, this was, I mean, again, obviously, Linval Joseph and Jerry Tillery, when they're healthy, would be there, but like. We sort yeah. of wanted Braden Fajoko to play a role like this. We sort of wanted someone like Forrest Merrill to play a role like this. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, you know, the fact that they, you know, finally get this opportunity and they look as good as they did. Obviously, part of it is the Steelers' offensive line issues um, and, and the guys that they were missing, in addition to the fact that Najee uh, goes out later in that game. Um, but, you know, overall, I mean, it's easily their most impressive effort of the season. And... I'm, I mean, the Jerry Tillery thing is a thing. Like, we've talked about him yeah. being a, a little bit of a run liability the whole year. Um, and when I say a little bit, I'm being generous. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, like, at, at some point, you, you have to, like, talk about that when talking about him. So, I don't know what they're going to do uh, when the COVID comes out of his body. Like I said to Tyler, I don't know. He'll need to invent, like, a new pandemic or something. Um, but... <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> but, oh, but, but, uh, can't see you from that one. Uh, no one's watching, it's 12, whatever. There's but 300 anyway. people watching right now, yeah, whatever. Anyway, no, but, um, yeah, so I, I think that at some point we have to talk about whether they're going to pick up the fifth year option on him. I mean, and right now, I, I don't think he's done anything this season that really justifies that. Uh, and he looked particularly disappointing in this game. So, or he looked particularly disappointing by not playing in this right. game, right. Uh, and them having the effort that they did. So, I I don't know uh, how it's going to be going forward. I assume they're going to go back to Linval Joseph, Jerry Tillery in the standard format that they had. But yeah. I mean, Falco and those guys like earn some more playing time, whether or not they'll get it. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I tweeted about the, the roster frustrations earlier in this game, right? Cause Gabe neighbors hasn't played in a really long time. Easton six, not playing right now. Joshua Kelly was inactive. Trey Pipkins was inactive. Like one of the reasons you cut someone like those players is so you can keep Braden Fajoko on the roster. So you can keep Forrest Merrill on the roster. 
Because now when Christian Covington and Jerry Tillery and Limbaugh Joseph are all healthy, are you keeping six defensive tackles? Or are you going to go back to five? You know, if you could, you know, suck it up and cut the quarterback, the third quarterback, that's never going to see the field. Then you at least you have that option. So I think these guys, you know, really earned a role. You know, Fahoko was signed to the active roster. So you're, are you going to cut him after this? Because he played his ass off. So I, I'm going to be curious to see what they do. And if they do cut Brain Fahoko, uh, I'm, I'm going to be upset because everybody in the league just watched yep. him play great. 100%. And mm-hmm. if they lose him to a different team, because they cut him for Jerry Tillery or because they cut him instead of oh, cutting even. <laughs> Joshua Kelly or Easton Stick. Like, <laughs> so I'm going to be so mad because he is playing yeah. fantastic in the limited snaps that he's gotten. He's played really, 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 really well. And mm-hmm. I think he deserves to be on this team and this active roster going forward. I mean, and you know, I, the conversation on Tillery like, won't really become a thing until 2023 when they have to decide to pick up that fifth-year option. But like... What his role is next year, I mean, is flexible to potentially being changed. Like, um, yeah. you know, potentially being just an early down guy, you know, or just like a third down pass rusher. Like, I'm not sure what it would be, but, you know, like, I just don't think you can look at what the run defense production has been without him uh, and what it's been with him and then just be like, yeah, that guy deserves 90% of the snaps because he's been a first round pick. Like that—that's mm-hmm. what it is at the end of the day for me. Um, I'm not sure what they're going to do, but like it's—it's—it's it's, it's hard to keep looking at the pile, piling up evidence, and you know, ignoring it. Yeah, I'll say one thing in Tillery's defense, and that it's—it's it's one game, and the Steelers' interior offensive line is not that great, and they were undermanned today. So sure. I will say that. So it is, like someone said in the chat, it is sort of low-hanging fruit, but at the same time, it's not a good not help, but. It's not a good look at all. And we felt that way when Kenneth Murray went out of the lineup. Like, listen, could he develop? Could he be better? Maybe. But with him out of the lineup, the other guys just looked better. Kaiser White, who played awesome today and was laying the wood on Najee Harris all game today, he looked great. And Drew Tranquil looks like an incredible pass rusher as well and a good linebacker. So, you know, if they can kind of move Kenneth Murray's role around, why not Jerry Tiller? And shoot, Kenneth Murray's onto your contract a lot longer and you moved him. Jerry Tiller is almost on his way out. So there's yeah. no reason you can't move him. So, you know, could they go back to Jerry Tiller a little bit more? Sure. But like you said, if they if they have Gabe Neighbors on the roster, or Easton Sick, I kind of get, if they have Neighbors or Kelly or freaking Pipkins at this point, and they cut Fajoko and then he, or, or, you know, they got Merrill or, or shit, they cut Gaziano because for some reason they like Fajoko more. And then one of those guys gets picked up by another team. That's going to be very, very disappointing. They shouldn't do that. And Merriman said it best against the, who was, I think the Eagles, Eagles, where, yeah, yeah, it's, it is a mentality. Playing the run is a mentality. And those three guys showed up and they had the mentality to stop the run today. For better or worse, they were going to go out there and wreak havoc the best they possibly could. And they did. They were fired up. They did everything they could on first down or early downs to stop the run. They did. Najee Harris didn't have anything going. And they were, they were fired up. And that's just also not really Jerry Tillery either. Even if the talent was there, today, Hart won out. And I think moving forward, you have to go with Hart and effort. And also, the plays are there. So, you know, we'll see what happens with Tillery. I would hate for them to give up on him, but I think they have to start moving past him. Because if you can do that with Kenneth Murray right now, you definitely can do that with Jerry Tillery. 
Yeah, at the very least, right? Like you have to give these guys more snaps. And Gaziano had been flashing some good things. You know, he's only playing like five to eight snaps, but every once in a while I'd be like, hey, there's there's a good rep from Joe Gaziano. Hey, there's a pressure. Hey, there's a run stop. And that's honestly a little bit more than we're seeing from Jerry Tillery, right? Like, so at minimum, you have to, you know, reduce his snaps. Might have to reduce Christian Covington's snaps, who I thought was pretty good at the beginning of the year. But Joe Gaziano and Brayden Fajoko, to me, have earned more snaps. And, um, you know, they started Fajoko at nose tackle this 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 evening. Um, and I thought he was moving around quite a bit, played fantastic. And so I'm just – I'm going to be upset if they cut one of those two – you know, in favor of going back to what, what what was, frankly, not working great. And I'll say, like, an easy cut, honestly, is Gabe Nimbers. And I get that Steven Anderson is playing well, and you don't need Gabe Nimbers, but if Anderson gets hurt, Camp Moyer is still on the practice squad, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying he's the same thing as Steven Anderson. Anderson, honestly, should make the Pro Bowl as a fullback. I'm dead serious. I think at this point in the AFC, yeah, he's playing excellent right now, hmm. and he scores. Um, so why not? He's kind of a poor man's Kyle Juszczyk right now. Excellent fullback, but used in the receiving game as well. Has a couple of touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken. I'd go for it. And then if he gets hurt, call up Cantmore, who was playing pretty decent as kind of a fullback tight end type in the preseason. So I think you can move on from neighbors because you have those guys. So you got to you gotta factor this into the calculation. Fahoko, I mean, good run defense, you know, providing you a lot of stuff. Neighbors, Herbert's best friend. <laughs> brisket yeah, so, brothers man brisket yeah, brothers. Uh, they brisket can still brothers. live together <laughs> they can still live together as long as he hits the unemployment <laughs> but but in all seriousness no one's picking up game neighbors like he you can no, definitely put him yeah, back on the practice no, spot. no i i, I agree mm-hmm. um I, like i i just don't get why he was ever on the roster to begin with if they felt that it was going to go this way and they especially because they kept four tight ends like that was that was a pretty drastic move from the beginning and they kept four tight ends and neighbors Mm -hmm. so i mean maybe he's just there in case an injury happens like easton stick but it just feels like sort of a waste of a roster spot yeah absolutely so we'll obviously monitor the defensive tackle situation um you know unfortunately we do have to talk about asante samuel jr getting another concussion um up until that point i thought that he was playing fantastic he gave up the one big play to claypool which was definitely bad technique it was bad eyes by him yes but mm-hmm. i thought he was playing great he had two really fantastic pass breakups um i think i'm looking at espn's statue right now he was he had uh seven total tackles which was second on the team and he didn't even play the fourth quarter so i thought asante played great i hope he's doing okay i struggled with concussions when i was playing football in high school so i know how difficult that is um unfortunately i would not expect him to be back this week because back-to-back concussions like this is is not fun to come back from uh, and i just hope he's okay i mean and we also saw this last year with um joey bosa who went through similar experiences um i believe when he had the second concussion he ended up missing two or three weeks um or might have been around that period of time so I don't know what the timeline will be for Asante Samuel, um, but unfortunately, yeah, no, it's just a repeat concussion, which which stinks, um, especially because he just got back. Right. So, um, no, I, I thought he played really well this game. Um, we'll talk about the rest of the secondary as well, but uh, I, I thought that he was really the best part of it, even though he did get burned by Claypool, like kind of 
getting right back into the right frame of mind and making a you know crucial breakup on him later. Um, and then, you know, uh, just coming back into the game, taking that hit from Najee Harris, which, you know, was, you know, huge and also kept him, uh, you know, well behind that first down marker still. So he had quite a few plays that popped. Uh, and, you know, uh, it's just a shame that he might be out for a while now. Yeah, you mentioned yeah. Uh, Joey Bosa struggles with the concussion last year. So he got his first concussion in week seven at Denver. He missed week eight, came back for week nine and then got the second concussion in week 12 against the Raiders, and then he missed the rest of the season. He missed the last four games. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, and I mean, I would take all the time he needs. Like, at this point, like, one yeah. concussion, I'm not saying that's good, but, you know, sometimes it can be a one-off. But to have two in a row like this, that's really troubling, hoping for nothing but the best from him. You know, even though he was beat a couple of times, you take all the bad because you know all the good's on the way, too. And yeah. no one was really making a play on the football at DB or at least at corner. But he was, he was, at least he was trying or he's trying to make some impact plays. You know, you, once he shakes out and, and gets through all the, the stuff that isn't so great, like peeking in the backfield and giving up yeah. the big, big yeah. play. Thankfully, Roethlisberger underthrew that one. Um, but, yeah. you know, I, I hope he's okay because there's a lot of good there. They're going to miss him for sure. I'm surprised at the drop up from Campbell. Uh, maybe it's just bad luck, you know, bad couple of games. One of them was against Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. So I get it. Uh, but this one, I didn't expect him to get picked on so much. Um, yeah, I'm really surprised at the drop off of him because it's been it was really good before the bye, and maybe again against the the Patriots. But since then, it looked a little bit rough. Yeah, I felt like Big Ben was giving the secondary plenty of opportunities. To be honest with you, I you know they were he wasn't exactly super crisp in this one. Um, so Asante was taking advantage of his of his chances too. Um, as Arjun points out, you know they have the Broncos next week. The Bengals the week after that, you know, I would lo- would have loved to see Jamar Chase against Asante Samuel Jr. on a few matchups. Um, so we'll see if he's not back for that one. That's going to be a, a tough one on the road. Um, but Campbell's in a bit of a bad spot. <laughs> Chris Harris hasn't been exactly good. And Michael Davis did not play very well today either. I think Arjun said that he was uh, targeted. Let me make sure I get this right. Um, 11 times Michael Davis was the closest defender. Uh, he gave up six, cat, six catches for 68 yards. So not a good look today for mm-hmm. uh, Michael Davis. And it could have been. I mean, there were some plays where it was like, wow, what a great catch. What a great throw. What a good adjustment. But it could have been a lot worse. And that Tavon yeah. Campbell uh, defensive pass interference was bad. That was awful. That was so bad. He tackled him before the ball was practically in the air. Just that holding him. Brutal, brutal penalty. Yeah, that was a brutal penalty, especially because they could have gotten a field goal there and like the game sort of would have been a lot different even after that whole punt block situation. Like that would have been kind of like a game saver um, in a lot of ways. And um, I didn't think Michael Davis was very good either. But I I guess in the context, if we're, you know, talking about him versus, you know, Harris and Campbell, like this was kind of his first game back. Sure. It's understandable. Hamstring injury. So I, I do think it is somewhat understandable. Um, obviously, you know, he, you know, you hope he doesn't get burnt next week, a little bit easier of a quarterback matchup, although the Broncos do still have those, you know, high caliber, you know, receivers that they could throw at you. Um, so we'll see what happens next week. I do still have a lot of confidence in Michael Davis, but the secondary around him now minus Asante Samuel again, unfortunately, uh, is just not great. Um, you know, you're, you're really betting on Tavon Campbell or Chris Harris to 
have the game that, you know, it, it sort of, I guess, uh, doesn't, you know, or just is not the average game for them. You're, you're expecting them to be much better. And so, uh, like, I don't know. Uh, after seeing Tavon Campbell the last two, three weeks, like, I just can't trust him. After seeing Chris Harris and how he played in Philadelphia, um, I can't trust him. So, you know, it's just kind of going to be who wants to show up this week with Michael Davis. And I don't know. Yeah, I'm curious to see the snap counts in this one because obviously Alohi Gillen didn't play, Mark Webb didn't play. So that, uh, I didn't feel like uh, Trey Marshall was on the field very much at all. I remember him a handful of plays. So they, it seemed like they were just staying in the nickel package pretty much all game long. Um, which, you know, again, the injuries, right. It kind of limits your options there. Um, but you know, they, they waited for, uh, to place Ryan Smith on IR because Kenneth Murray was coming back. I I think this is a a good week to potentially go seek out some, uh, other practice squad corners because, you know, if Asante Samuel Jr. is going to miss an extended amount of time, like you need some more bodies. I think Keandre Thomas, I think he has to be signed to the active practice squad now because he's played the last two weeks. So, you know, they're going to have to move some pieces around in the secondary again. Yeah, for the love of God, can they keep the secondary? <laughs> so, Webb and Gilman were both injured. It's not a COVID thing, right? Correct. Jeez. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I don't think Gilman's dang, playing this week either. I don't think Gilman's playing this yeah. week. The way that Brandon Staley talked about him, um, basically it seemed like to me that he was implying that he was not going to be playing this week, this upcoming week. I think Mark Webb... We'll see. I mean, I think he has a hamstring injury, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so mm. that could be something that lingers too. So, I mean, maybe it's been to Lucas season next week. I don't know. Hey, you know, got to happen at some point. I, we can't get Chris Harris Jr. off the field, man. Like, we just so. keep needing to fill a hole here, and Chris Harris Jr. keeps plugging that hole. But it's then he, you know, opens the floodgate right back up. It's like, oh, you know, we're, we're so close. Here comes all the DBs, and Samuel Jr. gets hurt. Or we have all our safeties, and then two safeties are out. I was like, now our secondary is finally back. And then Santos Samuel Jr. gets a concussion. It's like, ah, we're so yeah. close. Let's get him off the field. It wasn't an awful game from him. But early on, it got. I was a little worried because it was basically crap, crap, crap. No much, nothing in the run game. Chris Harris Jr. for 20 yards. It's like, ah, come on. Uh, apparently, he was complaining too. I must have missed that. So, oh it's my the same, God. It's the, it's the same thing. Kenneth Murray only played 15 snaps. Mm. Yeah, well, that's uh, a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I don't know, Chris. Chris Harris, I think, played a little bit better in the second half, but <laughs> it is kind of funny that he's become the rearranging the deck chairs and the Titanic guy when <laughs> everyone else goes down, and like he's he's the one who's yeah. like left to scramble. Um, yeah. You know, it, it hasn't been an easy position for him to be put in to, you know, hey, you have to go cover Devonta Smith the whole game. Like, of course, that's right. not easy. But I do expect a little bit better from him, obviously, given his veteran experience. And they're going to need it next week and potentially the weeks after because of the Sante injury now. Yeah. So, um, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about some individual players in a second, but um whoo man the special teams uh is is not great. Oh um they gave up a couple bad kick returns to ray ray mcleod you know it, it's really cool to see dustin hopkins tackle like he's a much better tackler than michael badgley <laughs> but that's not a good sign like you do not want to see your kicker making tackles 
Um, yeah. My guy, Mitch, my guy, Mitch Wisnowski for the Niners, uh, he tackles really well, but he does it on purpose. Um, you know, most, <laughs> most teams, when you have the specialist going out and tackling, uh, it is not great. And then you have the punt block, which should have been blocked for a touchdown. <laughs> That's the, guy the worst. Just, the guy was seen. just an idiot trying to scoop it <laughs> yeah. up. But it's like, uh. you know, you have the penalty on Keandre Thomas, which forces a reap kick. And everybody knows that when you re-kick, you go after that sucker. And the Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh Steelers, of course, block it. And what sucks is that it wasn't even the young guys. It was Drew Tranquil and Matt Overton that had a a blocking mistake and ended up, you know, costing them a block. So Mm -hmm. special teams was a disaster. They had been climbing up, right, like slowly in certain areas. Uh, they were uh... not 32nd in special teams DVA <laughs> after last week. They are going to be at 32nd in special teams <laughs> DVA after this week. What a disaster. Yeah, You're I complete... mean, I, I just never bought the narrative that they were really climbing up. And, and the thing that would propel them is like, okay, you have Andre Roberts, who's been playing well, and you have uh, Dustin Hopkins, who, you know, sort of raises that a little bit. But I mean, the coverage has been the coverage. <laughs> It, I, I just don't, I don't understand how it's this bad. Like, I, you know, I want to say it wasn't this bad last year, but it probably was. So like, I feel like it's about know, the same. I would have to go pro- like back probably about that. the same, but I feel like this time they just do like really dumb stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like even a higher proportion of the time, um, particularly like the penalties where, um, who was uh who was number 38 who ran out of bounds Keandre thomas uh, yeah Keandre thomas ran out of bounds then tried coming back in um and then it was just like really confusing like how they were like setting that stuff up and it's like drew tranquil and matt overton cannot allow that pump block to happen and it's like another instance of you know one of the many this season where they've gotten tai long poor tai long killed uh <laughs> on a lot of these punts so um yeah, I, I don't know. Like, on some level, I do believe it's a personnel issue because we saw largely a lot of the same personnel struggle last year in some of the same special teams roles. Um, but at the same time, it's like, okay, well, what does Darius Swinton do here? Um, because, like, there, there's no signs of it getting better. Um, and I know I fired him five weeks ago on the podcast, <laughs> but, like, I, 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 like, I'm just stunned at how bad it is still um because there, there's no there's no development that's gonna happen like this is the special yeah. teams until the charger season ends um and whether it's a regular season the playoffs whatever it might be um but like it's just a non-functional unit at this point yeah no it's not good i just like the falcons game and the off chance the falcons had an awful game uh, unfortunately they didn't score any points so they didn't have to kick the you know, there are no kickoff returns to worry about for the Patriots <laughs> there um so that's unfortunate <laughs> um so I believe they were 31st right yeah oh no sorry they were 32nd now the Falcons were 32nd we after last week and we were 31st and the Rams we were very close to the Rams at 30th great well yeah now we're definitely the 33rd now it's <laughs> and like like Alex said there's no development there's no development uh, from these guys the only improvements from guys that they signed off the street and I think Overton almost had a tackle as well. It's just like, why is your kicker the one tackling? And the other side of the coin is the fact that I'm watching Brandon Faison with the Raiders today. 
He's got yeah. a special teams tackle. He was their special teams leading tackler last year. And now he's on a different team making special teams tackles. It's like, ugh. You know, I well, get that they miss Ryan Smith, but go for it, Alex. Uh, I was just going to say, like, uh, I think part of it is just the depth um, that's, you know, being kind of drained on defense, too. Because now it's like, well, uh, we had, you know, decent special teams players that we would throw out there in those first weeks. And now they can't play special teams anymore because, uh, you know, yeah. they, have, they have to be on the field, right? So, like, the secondary getting decimated doesn't help. Obviously, the defensive line getting decimated doesn't help because now... Uh, that makes playing special teams a lot more complicated. Um, but yeah, no, I, it's just I I don't I don't understand how it's this bad. Yeah, the frustrating thing, like I said, you know, Nick Neiman, I, I think is like one of the top tacklers in special teams in the league right now. He's a rookie, like he's their best special teams player. And you know, y- you mentioned uh, Brandon Faison. You know, Derek Watt was free and was yeah, leading tackle in special teams in 2019. So it's been a lot of poor special teams personnel decisions by uh, Tom Telesco and company. And of course, like the injuries are impacting things right now. You know, you have Keandre Thomas out there at Gunner as opposed to Ryan Smith. Um, yeah. They didn't activate Maurice French this week because they couldn't. Um, and I thought he was okay <laughs> as the Gunner. So special teams has just kind of been a mess. And like, you know, the core special teams players will improve, right? Like Nick Neiman's going to keep getting better. Chris Rump will get mm-hmm. better. And we've seen that from Steven Anderson, who's improved a lot on special teams this year. So their core players will get better, but you have to figure out a way to coach these new players in the gunner position specifically, or the personal protector position to, you know, continue to grow. Like they're, they're changing yeah. personal protectors every single week. It feels like a couple of weeks ago, Joshua Kelly, you know, almost gets Tylon killed. Then today it's Drew Tranquil and Matt Overton. So uh, it, it's really frustrating. Thank you, Arjun, for saying in hindsight, Anthony Lynn wasn't a good talent evaluator. <laughs> We've yeah. reached that conclusion at this Did point. Did you guys see the story that they sent about him, about his play calling duties? No. Uh-uh. So he, so Matt Campbell revoked play calling duties from him. Dan Campbell, who has never called plays before, is now calling plays because his offensive coordinator who had called plays for like three weeks that was not doing a good enough job. And Anthony Lynn said that Anthony Lynn said that he was fine with the decision. He would have done the same thing if he were the head coach. I mean, he um, did fire Ken Wisenhunt. I'll, I'll give him credit yeah, for that. Like he did. True. I know, I just but hey, he gets paid either way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's the, there's the Anthony Lynn uh, thing. And also shout out to Gus Bradley while we're talking about former Chargers coaches. You had one job, man, <laughs> one job and was to not let the chiefs get back on track. And look what the hell you did. You gave the Chiefs back their mojo. Yeah, also, I want to shout out the 2018 Chargers under Anthony Lynn for the Steelers jumping off sides on the field goal. Uh, so, you know, sh- <laughs> shout out to that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right, I want to get your guys' thoughts here on a couple of the decisions um, by the coaching staff specifically. Um, you know, we, we all wanted to see Brandon State be a little bit more aggressive to go for it on fourth down. Um, the play call I thought was fine. You got to trust your offensive line, trust Austin Eckler. Execution was not great. Um, you know, of course, Senya Kalemate is the one to make the mistake and uh, let the Steelers get after. But what did you guys think uh, of the decision to go for it on fourth down uh, and the play call? Tyler, I'll start with you there. Uh, going for it, I totally get. At that point, the Chargers were steamrolling the the Steelers as a running team, so I get that. If I'm not mistaken, they ran to the right or up the middle. I mean, whatever. I think that the, that call was fine. 
to me, it seemed like a long one, like a, a fourth and sort of long one. So a QB sneak was there. I think it was a, it was a bit long though. And listen, they had, again, they had been converting on run plays. Um, Eckler was doing no, had no problem during the whole game. So I get it. Everyone's calling for a QB sneak. I could have seen that. Um, I got to watch the game again to see how far they were initially. Um, again, I think it was a, a pretty long one. So I'm okay with it. But then Kelamette getting blown up. Like they were in the end zone of their own end zone against the Patriots. And Kelamette got blown up on a Justin Jackson play. Then you watch this one and he seemed like an execution error, a lack of understanding of what he was supposed to do. And he messes up this play again. And it almost cost the Chargers the game. So I'm not suggesting that Pipkins go in there. That's not the case. But it's now a couple of times I've seen Kelamette get beat on these sort of you know, need to have it get either get out of the end zone or get a first down situations. It's time to tend to bring up Brendan Hymas. Like, I don't see why he isn't the guy out there. Sure, he's using him as an extra tackle, but in that particular situation, I'm shuffling things a little bit and I'm putting Hymas out there because right now Calamante is a bit of a liability. Yeah, I mean, I think the play call or the decision to go for it was fine, also, particularly with the clock situation at that point. Um, because if the Steelers, if you hold the Steelers to a field goal there, um, after turning the ball over, then it's 37-34, and you have a chance to go down and score like they did with Mike Williams. So I think from the game plan, it made sense. Um, I was fine with running it with Austin Eckler. Also would have been fine with QB sneaking it. Uh, at some point, you know, you're just... <laughs> the Steelers are going to get one stop eventually, and I think the Chargers were just kind of gassed by that point. Uh, so, you know, Kelamente giving it up kind of stinks but i think you live and, and play another down at that point uh and so yeah no i mean they end up getting the ball back anyway um and we're able to put together that game winning drive so i could have gone either way with it um but yeah i i think the decision not to punt there was definitely the most analytically sound at least yeah they said on the broadcast that it was about kind of a wash so i, I haven't looked at um Ben Baldwin's model to see what you know their model mm-hmm. suggested. Um, I, I was I liked the decision to go for it. I felt like if you converted that fourth down, you know, you're potentially putting the game away. Um, I I would have liked to see you know the thing about those short yarded situations is that you've you've it's very obvious what you're doing right. Like you're you're gonna trust mm-hmm. your guys to get the push, and I understand that. Um, you know, you want to trust your guys to, to make that play that have been making that play most of the night, but I would have liked to see a little bit more of an outside run, maybe a little bit of an, an RPO situation with Justin Herbert with the ball in his hands. That's nitpicking, mm. right? Like I think probably eight times out of 10 that the chargers convert that play, but you know, it did obviously give them for, uh, you know, an, an, an unnecessary surge of a m- momentum. Okay, so Ben Baldwin's model said that it was a strong go for it scenario, according to Orange. Okay, so there you go. I'm gonna try to pull up the old fourth down stats from this year. I have it somewhere. I have the answer somewhere. I'm just curious what they've been doing on fourth down. So, yeah, they've run it on fourth down at least up and through this game on about 38. percent uh, They've passed it on about 61 percent, 62 percent. Let's see. They run it on a fourth and two, a fourth and one, fourth and two, fourth and one. Uh, that's not including QB sneaks, where it was always a one. This case, in this case, it was a one. Um, and when it has been one, and they've run it, it's always been a QB sneak. So I'm a little surprised. Oh no, there's no man. There's one run for fourth and one against Philly, but still, I'm surprised they didn't QB sneak it if it was a one or inches, like some of the people in the chat are saying. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I felt like they had the quarterback sneak kind of bottled up. I, I feel like they had were expecting that. I, if I remember correctly, they had someone right over Corey Lindsley, and then they had two defensive tackles right next to him. So I, I'm a little bit more sympathetic to me. If you're going to go for it there not do the sneak, you do an outside zone run, do an RPO. Like, that's what's been working. Um, but then again, you know, Austin Eckler and this offensive line have been getting a ton of push. So just a little bit of a poor execution by Senor Kelamente and potentially exactly not even talking about it. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, then the other decision too, that a lot of people were very critical of on Twitter was the decision. Um, I think it was late in the third or early in the fourth, you know, the charters Mm -hmm. had a couple runs, then they decided to go hurry up and throw a pass to Mike Williams, which I think was like 18, 20 yards down the field. Um, to me, by definition, that's not conservative. You can criticize the play calls, but I don't think that going hurry up and throwing a deep pass really qualifies for conservative play calling. That mm-hmm. being said, what did you guys make of that? I mean, I'm fine with it. I understand that you're you know running it twice and it looks like it's conservative, but you run it on first down and you get five yards. So, And you're averaging five yards per carry with Eckler. So yep. why would you think you would get another five yards after just getting five yards and averaging five yards per carry through that game? And it's not like they had been consistently been predictable. Like they run, run all the time, run, run, pass, run, run, pass. They weren't doing that most of the game, at least to open drives. Um, so why wouldn't you think you would get another? And then it, I don't know what happened on third down. I hate when the broadcast is like, oh, no, no, we just won't show the coverage or anything that happened. So <laughs> the, the weird hurry up and throw to Williams into double coverage was really weird. And if Williams is being double covered, well, somebody not double covered. Um, I don't know because they won't show us. Um, but so I, I was fine with that. Them doing that is not a problem to me, especially after getting the first down for five yards. Why not run it again when you're killing this team? So um, I'm okay with it. And of course, the next series, they throw it and it's a disaster. And the <laughs> next series after that, they throw it again and it's almost a disaster. Um, and they didn't run it. So everyone's like, you should you should throw it. You got to throw it and be aggressive. And then they they throw it and they get you know killed for it because more bad things generally more bad things can happen when you're passing it than running it. And if you can run it efficiently, why pass it? It could be an incompletion, could be a sack, could be a batted ball for an interception. Um, and of course, that's what happened. So I'm totally fine with them running it. And everyone went, I mean, they were at about 31 points or 27 points at the time that that happened. And everyone flipped a switch on Joe Lombardi there. It's like, okay, <laughs> chill. They have like 300 yards of offense. They look excellent. They're running no problem. And he runs it twice, and then Herbert, for whatever reason, sails on a third down. Everyone's like, "Oh my God, Lombardi sucks!" Like you were, you guys were waiting for this one. Um, yeah, whatever. Were. That's yeah. that's a whole other thing. Yeah, I mean, also like the Chargers were averaging six point one yards per carry, like, and they at or six point one yards per uh, attempt in this game. Like, run it with Austin Eckler. That's the case, right? Like, if you want a drive that's going to take up a lot of time. Um, and not just burn the clock, but potentially put another score on the board. Uh, I think there could be an argument that running was the way to do it uh, still. Uh, now, should they have gone to Mike Williams there? Probably not, and that might extend the drive. But, like, <laughs> I don't think you can be happy with how Austin Eckler was running and then want to take the ball out of his hands completely. Uh, so, I don't know. I think that's just sort of, like, hypocritical. Um, but... Yeah, I, I think there could be, you know, better play calls, obviously. Um, and in retrospect, it's like, well, maybe you shouldn't have thrown to Mike Williams. But ultimately, like, 
if that's the one drive that we're really all mad about, then I don't think it is a huge deal. Yeah, to me, like, I, I had a bigger issue with them going hurry up in that instance, uh, not so much the play call specifically. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're 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 asking Justin Herbert to make a, a really good throw to, to Mike Williams, and he yeah. almost made it. And, like, that was a deep call. That was a deep pass that everybody has been screaming for the last few weeks in, in our comments here. So to me, the issue was, you know, going hurry up right after a run play. So, I mean, it was a fourth, it was a third and three, like, you know, you get eight, you get seven yards on two runs. So I, I'm fine with that. I, I, like I said, my issue was going hurry up, not so much the play called designing a, a deep shot to Mike Williams. Like that's what everybody has been clamoring for the last few weeks. And then they do it. And it's like, well, why are we doing that? So I couldn't find the mute button for a second there. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a whole other that's a whole other thing. That's why I did a 75 minute breakdown because half the internet is making me talk for 75 minutes. Yes. That's how I feel. Yes, absolutely. Um, all right, guys. Any other uh general thoughts here before we get into studs and duds? Um, can we talk about Justin Herbert turning into Michael Vick? Uh I, I thought that was fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, like we, we, we had sort of been talking about like Justin Herbert and the idea of running more. And we had seen it a little bit, at least in terms of some design runs in the last few games. But I thought just the ability uh, of the offensive line to help in those scenarios and for Justin to, you know, kind of create his own yardage and get out of situations. Like um, I think that's something that he should be adding to his skill set. And so I was really excited to see it on display in this game. Um, I don't expect him to be 90 yards every game. Um, but right. if you can get kind of like a consistent, you know, 20 or 30 here or there, like each game, I, I don't think that that's a bad average at all. Uh, and you know, mm -hmm. that could be a couple handful of first downs, right? Something like that. Um, maybe that you get by either running the ball, uh, or potentially making the defense think you're going to run the ball with Herbert and then do something with Eckler, right? So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, no, I, I thought that that was just one of the most important things about this game, particularly in the first half. Uh, just, you know, a lot of uh, interesting stuff that uh, we haven't really seen before prior. So uh, I thought that was notable. Yeah, you know, he had the 90 yards rushing and you know, we talked about the 20, I want to say it was like 25 yard gain. Um Yes, let's go, Matt Filer, <laughs> baby. Hell yes. Hell yes. That's what I'm talking about. Matt oh, Filer man. game ball from Coach Sadie. Was there Hell a specific yeah. reason why Filer got the game ball or just because he beat the Steelers? Both. Well, I, I mean, it's really a both thing. Yeah, okay. There was one play Collinsworth was showing like, oh, you know, Hayward's, Hayward's like walking Filer back here. But like to me, Filer like completely recovered and had that no problem. Like, yeah, it was kind of a slow climb back, but he was there. And Collinsworth like, oh, look at Hayward. <laughs> so whatever, whatever. Collinsworth, Collinsworth wanted the Steelers to win so, so bad. badly. So We're sitting there bad. in the fourth quarter and the Chargers are yeah. like, they're mounting this, you know, last uh, last second touchdown drive. And it's, oh, Big Ben had a 102-degree fever. Oh, Big Ben had a fly across the country. Oh, Big Ben had In a, a private plane. plane, yeah. Oh, miss me with the bullshit, man. Big Ben's a grown-ass man. He can suck it up for a week. My God. Collinsworth also did that shit during the Eagles Super Bowl where he wanted the fucking Patriots to win so goddamn bad to the point where that Hail Mary fell down on the field, and he was fucking pissed. Um, so, you know what? 
screw him, screw Al Michaels. He pronounces Oregon incorrectly. Like they deserve to be muted. They are the what worst broadcasting say? duo. He says Oregon. No one says Oregon? that shit. Yeah, oh, it's man. Oregon. Anyway, but <laughs> like they're just the worst. They are the worst. I don't know how NBC keeps employing them. They have to replace them at some point. Well, I mean, it was it was bad. And Thomas points out that he gave Ronaldo Hill props for the play calling on defense. Like Brandon <laughs> oh, Staley, yeah. Staley is calling plays on the defense, man. Like, oh, and, man. and neither of them should be getting any props for the play calling on defense, at least in the yeah. secondary. <laughs> oh, and when he was talking about Mike Tomlin's rise through the coaching ranks, I was like, bro, you need to just stop talking about this right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That was that was so cringeworthy from Chris Collins oh tonight. My like, God. bro, oh, brutal. Yeah, all right. not 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 good. Not good at all. All right, let's uh, man, Matt Filey, let's go. Um, all right, let's talk about some studs and duds, and then as always, we'll take some questions and we'll wrap it up. Uh, before we get to that point, you've all been seeing the, the ticker at this point. Uh, TickPick is the official ticketing partner of the Guilty as Charged podcast. You, excuse me, you can use the link tickpick.com slash charged for a 10% or a $10 discount, excuse me, on your first purchase. I know that uh, my wife and I in particular are planning some uh, trips this Christmas season around some certain games. So I know a lot of people are doing that. So please use our link tickpick.com slash charged for a $10 discount and shout out to TickPick for uh, being the official ticketing partner of the Guilty as Charged podcast. All right, let's get into these studs and duds. Uh, Alex, we'll start with you. Who is your stud of the day? Uh, I'll go with Joey Bosa. Uh, I mean, I think that he comes up with that sack on that crucial drive. Um, sort of was like kind of the most consistent guy on the defensive line from, you know, drive to drive. Uh, obviously mm-hmm. had a, you know, I think maybe rough second, third quarter stretch where, you know, he got a little bit outplayed, but. Uh, sort of toughed it out. I mean, wasn't getting a whole lot of help in terms of pass rush through the whole game. So I, I thought this was a really great effort from him. His sack was super important. Obviously, him, Fackrell, and everyone else kind of combined on that sack of Big Ben at the end. So, uh, you know, you could obviously give it to Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler, which I'm sure Steven and Tyler will. Um, but I think on defense, uh, Joey Bosa deserves probably the biggest shout-out of the defense. So I'll give it to him. Yeah, the defense certainly wasn't that great. Arjun says that Bosa had six pressures, I believe, including that sack. I would, yeah, it would have to be. Um, Trenko with two, Merrill and Wosu, Gaziano and Fakarol with one. So, yeah, it was basically yeah. Bosa and a little bit of sprinkling of everybody else, which is kind of how it's been this year, but oh well. Um, but yeah, like I think Arjun pointed out in the chat, there was a, a, a three penalties on Bosa. One of them was kind of in, like that roughing the passer, or unnecessary roughness or whatever it was. That one's just kind of stupid to me, but they're going to call it on him, unfortunately, um, despite the, whatever. Um, so that, yeah, that's a good one there. I'm going to go with, I could go Herbert. I could go uh, Eckler. I'm actually still going to go with Keenan Allen. And I know like Eckler had the bigger day with four touchdowns. Herbert was incredible, but I still think like he continues to be outstanding and I have to give him props for becoming reliable again. You know, I don't believe he's been credited with a drop the past three weeks. If I'm not mistaken, he's had like 40 targets the past three weeks. That Herbert Allen connection is back to peak form. And while it does look like a lot of intermediate, you know, short passes or whatever, it's working. And he even did well on wide receiver screens today. Um, So he was just very good. A lot of very, very tough catches. 
some really tough catches against um, the last three, four teams that he's that he's faced. Um, again, some tough catches again today. He was very reliable, great after the catch. Um, he looks like, you know, number one wide receiver again. And yeah, Williams had a decent day as well. But Allen is the true wide receiver one right now. And the connection looks really good. So I'll give it to him. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Keenan was fantastic. That I want to say that third catch that he had, uh, where it was kind of an over route and it was like full extension, right? Like literally arms fully out. And it was just like a laser from Justin Herbert. Um, but man, today's about Justin Herbert. What are we doing here? Um, I, mean, oh, I just have that chat. One of you was going to pick him. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Over, so. I, I figured someone else would yeah, defer. People, yeah. people were getting at me in the chat that I didn't pick Justin Herbert. I was like, well, I sucked his dick at the beginning of the show. And then I expected <laughs> these guys to. So, finish him off, of course. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, like, I, I think Keenan Allen is a great choice. Uh, to me, Joey Bosa, the penalties kind of washes it out. You know, I, I think he had a great sack, right? But um of course herbert is too easy as whichever one of you posted sorry (laughs) at the same time you picked it up so sorry (laughs) but man when you do something that no one else in nfl history has done before like Mm -hmm. you're the stud of the day you know 382 yards passing 90 yards rushing could have been over 100 yards rushing like we said the one stupid holding call should have uh counted um and i just I, i love the way that justin herbert continues to bounce back Right. And like, that's what yes. we needed to see this week, you know, after a couple rough showings against the Vikings and the Patriots and the Ravens, um, you know, sandwiched in between there are two really fantastic games against the yeah. Eagles and against um, the Steelers tonight. So just a really fantastic game from him. I loved how decisive he was. I loved how tough he was. A lot of quarterbacks who are young and in their second season get punched by Cam Hayward and they probably don't play the rest of the game very well. And instead, Justin Herbert comes back and it just leads a couple of clutch drives, wins this game for this team. Um, and, you know, again, this game should not have been this close. You know, I'm looking at the total yardage stats. Chargers should have won this game by multiple scores easily. But you had the special teams issue, which really gave this, the Steelers life, unfortunately. But Justin Herbert was fantastic today. And, you know, he proved again, you know, that he is he's carrying this team right now for sure. Yeah, and I also think a shout out to Austin Eckler who's deserved. You know, we only give yeah, up three of them, but yeah, yeah, like I mean, that was just like an incredible effort from him today. You know, we've talked about him sort of being that like Alvin Kamara kind of running back, and I think this was really the first game where we saw it like all come to fruition. Obviously, it's not going to be you know four touchdowns, five touchdowns every game, yeah. um, but you know, just for him to be sort of that versatile, make the most of his running opportunities, and really be. Uh, that level of efficient, I don't think that's something we saw before. So I, I think that he definitely deserves a lot of credit for today. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's up to how many touchdowns does he have now? I think 13, right? Sure. I think they said sure. that on the broadcast. Might, might be. <laughs> I don't recall. So he's got uh, five touchdowns rushing. And he's okay, not 13. Why did the broadcast say 13? Was I the only one that heard that? I heard, I swear, I heard calling. I think that was um, Taylor. They, I, randomly, at some point, they brought up Jonathan Taylor's touchdowns and they went back to the game. I don't know why, okay. uh, but they brought up his touchdowns and, like, yeah, he's at 13. Okay, so, so he's got I think, three I think receiving touchdowns and he's got four rushing touchdowns. So he has seven touchdowns. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's it. That's actually a surprise. Yeah. But <laughs> maybe, the, maybe that's just recently. I'm tripping right now. I don't now. know. It's okay. We didn't. I didn't think of it at the poll. Eckler season stat polls right here. Um, someone said in the chat though. Hey, I gotta give it to Hopkins too. He had two tackles, which yeah. I said is more yeah. than more than Kenneth Murray had. 
Um, hit Shit. both of his field goals. <laughs> sort of hit both of his field goals. Um, one of them, uh, good thing they were offsides. Uh, but then all five of his extra points uh, feels pretty good. So, yeah, not bad. Not bad from him. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 nice you know like right before that kick that he ended up missing i was like oh he's gonna make this i feel good and then of course he misses um, <laughs> and, you know you had the yeah. offsides right but you know it feels good you know even the trust isn't like justin tucker level trust of course but you know he's a he's a good solid yeah. kicker uh and, and you know I, I trust him to do his job so um Hopkins let's talk about had as many tackles as in mostu today well, when I saw when I saw D Hopkins in the chat, I was like, "It's two a.m. Why are they talking about DeAndre Hopkins?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh, we have that kicker." Okay. Yeah, we're we're now approaching two a.m. for for Alex here tonight. Um, so we'll mm-hmm. we'll wrap it up soon. But um, have to talk about our duds. To me, this is an easy one. It's Jared Cook, and you know, I was early on the Chris Harris thing. I wish I'd been mm-hmm. early on the Jared Cook thing because this man cannot catch a ball to save his life whenever it's a contested catch situation if he's wide open he'll catch it if there's someone around him he's not catching it so i selfishly i really love the fact that uh as soon as i tweeted about jared cook catching some bench they threw it to donald parham and he got a first down so uh arjun if you're still here if you could tell me the snap counts of the tight ends that'd be fantastic because i think donald parham should be the tight end one for this team the way that he can move in space you know, is just so crazy to me being 6'8". He's a better blocker. He's a better receiver at this point. Jared Cook, dud of the day. Uh, that was extremely frustrating to watch. Yeah, Cook had two drops on, like, one play where he, like, caught it, <laughs> dropped it, and then dropped it again. It's like, oh. I, I give him some lee. I have given him some leeway because, like, he's getting open to be dropping this or he's, you know, right. open enough to be getting the reception and then he drops it. But man, it's getting so bad now, and you can't have that many guys who are dropping the football. And I think Arjun pointed out that Cook is what 110th out of 117 against man. It gets getting open. That's not great. And then he gets the opportunities and he's dropping them. You know, Allen's improved, and the offense goes if Allen goes. But you know, Cook's possibly second behind Allen in targets sometimes. And if he's dropping one, two a game, or or Rude. twice on one on one catch that almost was a catch. It's brutal. They're drive killers. It was a drive killer last week. Um, again, the the pick six. You know, if Cook's not out there, he goes the right way. Now that's a, kind of between two different players. But again, that's a pick six that changes the game. He goes the wrong way. It's rough. So I do see him getting open. There are moments where he can get the ball, but he just can't be this unreliable. I'm pretty sure after this game, he's going to be up there, maybe even past Williams, uh, for drop rate. It's ugly right now. And yeah, I'm. I'm I'm in favor of benching him at this point, not benching him, but reducing his snaps in favor of someone like Parham. Parham did have a Parham did have a a drop on on the day, and that was an ugly one because no one was around him. Sure. But you know, at least get him involved. You're you're not paying him all that much. Cook, it, it's just really rough right now. Um, my dud. There's not like a particular person in the secondary that I can give a dud to. So in general, I think I'm just going to give it to the corners. Um, unfortunately, Big yeah. Ben had a really freaking good day. And in the first half, it kind of felt like they were just, you know, really close, really good coverage, but they just weren't making a play. But Big Ben was giving them opportunities to make a play on the football, bat the ball down, get an interception, whatever. And the DBs just did not play well. I think Adderley had a couple of good plays. Derwin James was obviously very productive, but the corners just didn't look good. And I get that Asante Samuel Jr. is out. And Davis is just coming back. And Campbell's an undrafted free agent. 
and Chris Harris Jr. is washed, but they got to be better. They were such a strength. You know, I mean, they're not very long, far removed from shutting down basically CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper. Like they're not yeah. far removed from that. And yet here we are with, you know, Kirk Cousins, granted, you know, good receivers, but Kirk Cousins shredding them. Now Ben Roethlisberger shedding them and he couldn't like, it looked terrible from him, but they were shredding the Chargers secondary. And, you know, this was my, my main storyline heading into the game. How does this defense respond? How does they look, especially against a really, you know, honestly, a bad Steelers offense and they got shredded and it, it's not as bad as the box score indicates because of the blocked uh, punt and the interception. So the points doesn't bother me as much. They just didn't look like they were doing anything. I don't think Roethlisberger had a, an interception, right? So it, I don't remember yeah. much. Yeah. So it was just kind of free game for Ben Roethlisberger and they didn't really come up with anything. Um, so it's got to be, it's really disappointing. They've really just, I mean, again, the undrafted free agents on the interior defense of the line, they all stepped up and the secondary around them is just not playing well right now. Yeah. Right now you have the run defense going up and the secondary going down. So Big Ben finished with uh, 273 yards and three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, really, the, the, obviously that, uh, big play from Deontay Johnson did not help, but uh, Johnson had seven catches, 101 yards, and one touchdown. Chase Claypool mm-hmm. had five catches for 93 yards. Hmm. Yeah, not good. Yeah, um, well, I mean, I sort of was thinking about going to Von Campbell. I went with him last week, but you did an all-encompassing quarterback, so, I mean, I think that's fair for this game. Um pff. There's no one else for me to really give it to other than Darius Witten um, because yeah, it's, that's fair. It's, really, it's really bad. Um, like, <laughs> and people brought this up on Twitter. Like, well, when we were able to watch the press conferences, he was kind of snippy about like protection problems. Like, oh, this will get fixed. This will get fixed. And we're here yeah. in week 11. Like that, that's the reality of it. So um, I hope things get better, but the sheer amount of like penalties, the sheer amount of blocking mistakes, the sheer amount of coverage mistakes they have like all the time um is is just really bad and i think this is the first game this season where chargers fans have seen it in a way where it really nearly cost them with the punt block um obviously the chargers have lost on field goals and and stuff before like that but on more you know crucial special teams errors that don't come down to just the kicker or just the punter or something um you know this was something that was more uh you know damaging i think to the special teams reputation than just one player because like we said um it was everyone right like it, it was someone as as good as special teams as we talk about on juice tranquil it was you know somebody like Andrew thomas who's a practice squatter like it was everyone it's sort of like not ready to play on special teams uh so for me it was pretty much everyone on special teams in this one. And I think you have to start looking at Darius Witten and what this is. Is it simply a personnel issue? Is it also a coaching issue? Because right now it's looking like both. Yeah. I mean, you've presumably got, you know, at least seven games, potentially eight games, you know, for this team. And we haven't really seen a ton of improvement in like the coverage units. And that's really the concerning thing. Because Dustin Hopkins is, is an improvement. Andre Roberts is an improvement. But, you know, at some point, you've got to get more production out of your coverage units. And Dustin Hopkins probably led the team in special teams tackles tonight, uh, which is not great at all. Um, so just to uh, clear it up, Austin Eckler does have 13 total touchdowns. Um, I think actually 14, because when they said that, he, after he said that, he scored another one. Um, so I was not tripping. I... 
uh, I heard the broadcast correctly. <laughs> All right. So before we head out for today, we'll we'll talk about some generalities today because the AFC is making no sense. Uh, again, you have the Buffalo Bills getting destroyed by the Indianapolis Colts. You have the Texans basically shutting down the Titans. So uh, the Chargers currently sit in sixth in the AFC after their win tonight. Um, so I, I personally feel like we're a few weeks away from getting some clarity. You know, this weekend should absolutely help. You know, the Steelers play the Ravens this week. Um, that'll help clear up some things for both of those teams. The Patriots and the Bills play each other twice in the next month. That'll clear up some things. So the AFC hasn't made much sense, but I think we're getting closer to a clearer picture today. But the the Bills losing that way to the Colts was awful. I almost don't want to talk about this because it means I got to talk about Alex being ahead of me in the freaking pickup. Not quite so sure I want to talk about this. No, listen, I knew I was kind of going to get hosed on the the Jets and the Dolphins pick, but that was fun to give you high blood pressure for a bit. But I mean, the Texans. First of all, me getting hosed, pick, I picked the eight and two Titans. <laughs> Listen, I like Tyrod Taylor, but the Titans losing at home to the Texans is freaking brutal. The Browns winning by three points against the Lions at home. I mean, that's absolutely brutal. I mean, and then the Colts blow out the Bills. I want nothing to do with the Colts. This rushing attack looks ridiculously good. Jonathan Taylor yeah. has always yeah. been very efficient. The analytics people love him because he's always in that top right quadrant of whatever the efficiency they call. Um, but it was... I mean, geez, I don't know what to make of the AFC. Um, I wish the Chargers had gone in just a little bit more, a little bit more all in one sort of player to shore up something. Maybe it's just special teams. I don't know. Um, but the Patriots have a very high floor right now. The Chargers absolutely could have beaten that team. But now the Patriots are figuring it out. They're honestly next year. They get to go all in like their quarterback is probably set up and they get to go all in at already as early as next year. So yeah, like the AFC might be like it might be a good time for the Chargers next year, but you know the, now the Patriots are going to go all in, or maybe the Chiefs have retooled, or the the Titans get Henry back. So um, the Ravens barely beat the Bears, but that's a Tyler Huntley thing. Uh, Steven, I'm sure that was cool for you to Let's see. Let's go, my guy Tyler Huntley. <laughs> and he had a really terrible game, so that was awesome. Uh, <laughs> that's so good. He was fine. I'm kidding. I like Tyler Huntley, and he's got a good first name. Um, but you know. I don't really know what to make of the Chiefs right now. I didn't watch that game. They're winning, which is the most important thing. Like, even if they quite haven't figured it out yet, the fact that they are potentially on pace to host a couple of playoff games sucks. I know the Chargers have had some success in Arrowhead, but I don't want to have to go there if I don't have to. Um, so them figuring it out because Rodgers gets COVID and then Cooper has COVID. Um, not that that's the reason that the Cowboys lost, but it's just these things like that. Gus Bradley getting absolutely torched by the Chiefs, which is his, literally the only reason they signed him to even go there. AFC is really weird. At this point, just get to the postseason, be healthy, and pray you don't play the Titans. Or, it's not the Titans, the Colts. Yeah, um, I mean, to me, there's no real AFC favorite right now. Like, that that should be kind of the main storyline coming out of this week. And, like, I, I do think, like Steven said, there will be some figuring out of, like, who's good and who's not. But to me, it's nowhere near as clear as the NFC. And the Titans, yeah. who knows when Derrick Henry's coming back. Um, Ravens, I think, look probably like the best team in the conference. But, like, I certainly, you know, would not really, you know, 
I, I don't think the Chargers would be a significant underdog to either the Patriots, the Ravens, or the Chiefs. The Chargers went into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs. Um, you know, same with the Bengals, who you know who they'll play in a couple weeks. So, to me, I mean, the, you know, I think the current AFC playoff picture does reflect that this was absolutely a must-win game for the Chargers. Like, you, they you could not lose to the Steelers. Um, and be in that position now you have tiebreaker over the Steelers potentially uh, you know coming down the end of it so that's going to be huge um, you also have to beat the Bengals sort of for the same reason um, yeah. potentially given playoff positioning and you know at the end of the day like you know they're a half a game behind the Chiefs and they'll have another game to play against them at home um, so uh, to me everything's still pretty much right in front of the Chargers as much as we talked about how the last month you know, kind of before tonight blue, um, like the Chargers are still right in it because <laughs> the rest of the AFC has struggled just as much as they have um, over the last month, except pretty much the Patriots. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But for me, like this just is like, well, it's going to be whoever gets hot at the right time. That's the team that's going to win the AFC. The Chiefs are rounding in the form the Patriots are right now. Um, but I still think the door is kind of wide open for the Chargers, um, especially if they get hot down the stretch, um, if they correct some of the issues that we talk about on this show. So, yeah, no, I mean, everything is definitely still in front of them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's that's the good thing about uh, this AFC being this way, right? The Chargers are right there. Currently in six, like I said, you know, if they beat the Denver Broncos next week, they'll be right there with the Chiefs with the same record because the Chiefs have a bye this week. So, you know, that's the good news. The the I guess the, the bad news, if you want to say it, is that a certain team up in New England is the hottest team in the NFL right now. Um, and they honestly are like the team that I trust the most in the AFC at this point. You know, you don't have Derrick Henry on the Titans. The Ravens are, are in a similar spot with the Chargers where it's like you've got a lot of issues in other places. But if your quarterback is playing at an MVP level, you're you're doing OK. You know, when you don't have the Miami game. And you don't have uh, the game against the Bengals. The Ravens have been really tough to beat, so they're they're in a similar boat with the Chargers, where it's like if the quarterback is playing awesome, you can't beat them. But if he struggles even a little bit, then you're not going to win unless you're the Bears. The Bears were a fucking disaster today. Um, but then you have the Chiefs and their issues. The Bengals are still super young. You know the Bills have some really bad losses this year, so. Weirdly, like the Patriots might honestly be the best team in the conference right now, which I hate so, so much. You know, they couldn't even go away for one year. Now they're back to be in the class of the AFC, which just freaking pisses me off. But um, I, I, yeah, I just feel like it's weirdly the Patriots are the team I trust the most in terms of objectively looking at the AFC. I, I, I sort of do buy the Patriots as that team, though. Um, yet. At the same time, I do think there's something to be said about the fact that they don't have like super high end talent, right? So it's like, well, would you rather go against the Patriots or would you rather go against, you know, Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill and Arrowhead, right? Like, <laughs> True. I, I, I would probably still pick the Patriots, you know, if, if I have to pick a matchup between those two, you know, despite Bill Belichick and all that. Um, so I think, or, you know, we talked about Jonathan Taylor and the Colts today, right? So it's like, you know, would you rather go against Bill Belichick or that? Uh, I mean, I in that situation, to me, I probably would rather play the Patriots still. So it's like, yeah, I do think they're the favorite, and I do think they play really smart football. They allow Mac Jones to just be Mac Jones and make the decisions he makes. Um, but 
I, I do sort of think there is something to them where it's like, well, next year's probably like all in year where they're going to get a lot of talent. Um, but you know, I'm not shitting my pants about playing them this year, I guess sure. is what I'm saying compared to some of the other teams. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I also have to say, I love the fact that the Raiders have lost three games in a row. It's been fantastic to watch. Uh, the Bengals defense it's is not, the Bengals defense is not very good. And the Raiders scored, I think they scored what? Nine points today. It, I don't even know anymore, but that's what I want to say. It wasn't a lot. I get, get, it wasn't exactly a high scoring affair. That's for sure. Derek Carr looks bad. Like he looks really bad. And I get that. I mean, it's very hard without a head coach. It's obviously your offensive coordinator who does everything to build your offense, but without rugs, without Gruden and granted, those are two very important things. He looks really, really bad. I think he's what seven interceptions the last four games. It doesn't look good. Like he doesn't look confident. He's always getting picked off late down the sideline or whatever it is. Did it with Derwin James, did it against the Giants, did it today with, um, oh, who is it? Dang, I can't remember who it is. It's another corner. It's like a washed-up corner, but he, he picked him off. Oh, it's um, Eli Apple. That's who it is. Eli, Eli Apple. Apple picked him off. And if you get picked up by Eli Apple, yeah, not good. Uh, okay, someone's saying Tyron Johnson didn't fix the Raiders. That's hopefully a joke because he was on the practice squad today. Um, yeah, so I don't play. really think he's – he's not playing. Now, Deshaun Jackson didn't fix the Raiders. I'll say that. Currently – Nothing's going on there. So the Raiders look awful. Um, as far as the Patriots and the Chiefs, I'd still rather play the Chiefs. Um, they don't have a pass rush. They have Chris Jones. Well, no, sorry. They do have Melvin Ingram now. And apparently he's playing well. Chris Jones had three sacks. Well, today. yeah, I would say Whatever. because they they switched Chris Jones back from edge to yeah, yeah, interior. Yeah. And, yeah. and that has certainly improved their pass rush. So, I mean, mm-hmm. like my pro reference towards playing the Patriots, even though they've been the Chargers boogeyman for, you know, 13 years. Um, Like, I do think there is something just to be said about high-end talent usually does win in the playoffs. And, you know, so uh, we'll see what happens. Like, I'm not, (laughs) you know, obviously the Patriots are a pain in the ass to play, and I would rather not play them. Um, But, like, at the end of the day, it's just like, well, I kind of trust our guys more than their guys, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the Chargers did have it. Right. So the Raiders have uh, three road games coming up with the Cowboys, the Chiefs, and the Browns in the next four weeks. Have fun. <laughs> what are the Browns? That's true. What are the Browns? I mean, they're still a tough team, but Baker has just been awful recently. Yeah, this, the Browns holding – excuse me, the, the Lions holding the Steelers and Browns to 29 points or whatever it is the last two weeks and still losing is, is amazing. I just imagine like Odell's dad watching Browns games like from his couch <laughs> and laughing as he watches the Rams get killed. Yeah, time. well, that's the not so good thing. But he balances out by watching the Browns and watching Pickers. Yeah, man, I was just looking at the Chiefs schedule too. So the Chiefs have a bye this week, and then they play the Broncos, Raiders, and then us on Thursday Night Football. So it's going to bring some clarity for them. So they'll be nine and four. <laughs> And playing us, and we'll be eight and what the hell's our record right now? Five, so we're six right and four. We're six and four. We have the Broncos this week, and then the week after that is the Bengals game. Okay, but they have a they bye. Have a, so the next Chiefs have a bye. They could be nine and four playing each other, right? Because they have, have two games in a bye, we have three games, and then we meet them, right? Yes, I think so. Okay, so they could be not each nine and four. Big yes. game, could be fun. That'd be math is hard. Um, that'd be awesome though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> All right. So th- it's going to be a fun couple of weeks. So obviously this week is Thanksgiving. Um, we're going to be, our schedule is going to be a little bit different. I am traveling home to Utah this week. So, uh, we are going to be dropping our Broncos preview. The interview that I am going to be doing is tomorrow. And then we'll, we will be going live on Tuesday this week, uh, for our game preview. Uh, cause like I said, I'm traveling to Utah and won't really have a place to record. So that's going to be fun there just to keep you guys updated. Tyler, Alex, we'll uh, wrap this up. Alex, any final thoughts before you uh, get to go to bed at uh, 2.30 in the morning? Fuck. Fuck Pittsburgh. <laughs> all right. we I had enough of them. Uh, like, I never want to see them again. They're all frauds. Big Ben, worst quarterback I've ever seen. Uh, Mike Tomlin, <laughs> never want to see your face again. Uh, C. Crosby, the worst. Uh, and yeah, the whole city is garbage. Cam Hayward should be suspended. And, uh, yeah, no, that's all I have to say about the city of Pittsburgh. Thankful the Chargers got the win today because, boy, I would not have done this podcast with Ben Roethlisberger just shilling our defense. Like, that would have not been great. So, uh, yeah, fun to get the win. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be (laughs) – thankfully they won. There was a point there where I basically just started doing laundry because I assumed that they had wrapped this game up. (laughs) No problem. And I'm folding my socks, and then it's like block punt interception. It's like, oh uh-huh. no! And I as it was going to be one of those games, but the Chargers are a little bit more magic these years, um, or these this year, and things look good. So I think they'll go on a winning streak now. Hopefully, they string games together. The good is there on offense. Hopefully, the defense can show up. Hopefully, don't get a Melvin Gordon revenge game next week. Um, <laughs> he hasn't so far, I don't think, but yeah. he's looking pretty okay. Uh, a little afraid of Javante Williams, who's very, definitely going to be a yeah. physical runner for sure. Um, but anyway, just happy to, happy, happy to have a win. It's only 10-20 for me. Um, the things are fine for me. You know, Alex is a little later. So, uh, good night. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I might. Oh, man, but you're right. You know, this was uh, much more stressful than it should have been. The blocked punt and the interception could not have come at worse times. Um, but, you know, I, everybody was like, Freaking out, same old Chargers, same old Chargers, right? But, you know, Justin Herbert and this team and this coaching staff have just brought a little extra juice that they needed. And I think that really has been the difference in these close games. Uh, I'll go up and tally uh, up the final, you know, Justin Herbert's record in recent one-score games because it really has been a breath of fresh air. So, like I said, we will go live again on Tuesday. For our game recap, we hope all of you guys, if you have the week off uh, this week, if you're lucky enough like my wife does, uh, enjoy the Thanksgiving break. Give uh, your local teacher a hug because I know working in education right now has is, is not been very fun. Um, but I hope everyone has a good holiday week and we will see you guys on Tuesday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code balance10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.